Good afternoon, good morning, whatever it is, wherever you are. My name is Malachi J. Matthews. This is Super Tat Film Club, and I am joined today by an international guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Super Tat Film Club again, E.K. Wimmer from the Laser Graves podcast. E.K., how are you doing, Bab? I'm doing great. It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. Last time you were on here, we talked about some... Uh, some heavy metal rock action, and today we're going to talk about some more heavy metal rock action. Yeah, yeah, we know how to pick them. Oh, no, yeah. Well, the, th the thing is, I think if there's anybody who knows about the uh, the chronicling of the satanic panic era in, in America, then you, sir, are the man to, uh, to bring to the table. <laughs> well, you know, and this is sitting right at the tail end there, uh, early 90s, when it's it's kind of in the thick of it, but it's about to start dwindling down. So it's really funny to see uh, how it comes out in cinema of the time. And this is is probably one of the, the better ones. It's just really amusing because they don't disguise the fact that it's, you know, Satan and, and heavy metal, but it's all done in such a really funny, clever way, intentionally. But man, I, I just love this movie so much. E.K. Wimmer, could you please tell the ladies and gentlemen what it is that you do? Uh, so my wife, Mariah, and I uh, have a podcast called Laser Graves, where we discuss exclusively things from the 80s, movies, music, events, books, things like that. So if you want to follow us, it's a weekly podcast. Uh, that's at lasergraves.com or anywhere, everywhere you get your podcasts. And we've been doing that now for, for a couple of years. We just celebrated not too long ago our 100th episode. So it's crazy because we've never missed a week. So yeah, if you guys are into the 80s and want to hear a bunch of nonsense, we wanted to do Shock 'em Dead so bad, but because it's 90s, uh, it was off limits to us. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm a happy person right now. If there's ever anything that, that's out of your time restriction, mate, always give us a shout. Always give us a shout. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's we, we love your show, as you know. Um, it, it's kept me sane through the, through the lockdown. Enjoyed the 100th episode, especially about Pee Wee Herman. That was crazy. <laughs> Loads of stuff that I hadn't got a clue about. But that's what I like about your podcast, and I tell you this sometimes, is that um, I accidentally learn things by listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. E.K. Wimmer, would you please tell the ladies and gentlemen what it is that we have done this week on the Super Tap Film Club? Yeah, this week we are tackling the one and only Shock'em Dead from 1991. Shock'em Dead from 1991. Yeah, well, this is one, I didn't see this in the 90s. I saw this one uh, probably about a year ago on a Saturday afternoon with uh, Fletcher and our friend Adam. And we'd, had a, we'd been out for a few beers and we came back and we wanted to, we found, it was like, oh, we'll find some heavy metal horror and we put this on. Yeah, <laughs> we were blown away with it. It's, uh, I absolutely love this film. What do you think about it? What, how, how did you, how did you find out about this, uh, this heavy metal gem, EK? Um, I didn't know about it when it first came out either because this was a, a kind of produced for TV show. I don't know if it was Showtime or something like that, but 
straight to video. And growing up, this wasn't in any of our, our video rental stores. Otherwise, I would have been all over it. But I, I found it um, just by chance on VHS a few years back. And um, I watched it and immediately was just blown away because I love heavy metal horror. And this one... This one's really, really fun. So since I got it, uh, you know, I have I have my copy there on the shelf. I've watched it a ton because it's just really rewatchable for sure. We found this one on YouTube um, without really having that much of a clue what it was, just that it was a heavy metal. For, we, we, <laughs> the thumbnail that we found of it was is uh, Martin when he's gone full angel, surrounded by his <laughs> hell wives. So, so we're like, oh, this is it. This is, uh, this is yeah. our afternoon sorted. So yeah, this has got uh, Tracy Lords in it. This is the first film we've actually done with Tracy Lords in it, which I'm finding hard to believe when we're getting on for like 90 episodes now. Yeah, wow, that is a surprise actually, considering the the good stuff that she's been in over the years. What else has she been in? Okay. Well, well, this is I think her second film that's not an adult film. I think she did Crybaby right before this, so this is when she started to do more wanted to actually get into acting. We did one for sure on Laser Graves. We did Not of This Earth. Uh, that one, man, that's a fun film if you haven't seen it. She's great in that. I'll have to check it out. So you say she did Crybaby before this. Is that the, the Johnny Depp Crybaby? Yeah, the, the John Waters film. Um, oh, I think that came out, I think that came out before, well, it would have come out before this. And I think th that and this are two of her earliest entries, um, you know, coming out of the adult film industry and trying to transition into just normal acting and you know i mean i'm all, i'm all for it because the films that she's done they're, they're they're all really fun so this film starts instantly with pink and green graphics which i anything bright i'm like some kind of <laughs> i'm like some kind of neon moth anything fluorescent <laughs> pink or green i'll drink it down i love it absolutely love it so that it starts with that i'm instantly on board and then it starts with it with the um a cover of Purple Haze, and I can't, I couldn't really work out whether it's supposed to be like a, a Sunset Strip cock rock version or like a 90s grunge version. I don't think they can really work it out either. I yeah. don't think they could figure it out either. It's really funny though, the way they're they're playing it. And you know, you're talking about the opening titles, the neon, it's, you know, 80s are known for neon, but 90s are too. And there is a very distinctive neon look to the 90s. And that's, that's what I do like is that right right away when you see the titles, then you hear the song and then you meet the band, you realize you're like full into early 90s transitional uh, metal versus grunge rock. And I don't think they ever quite figured out what what they wanted to be um, at all. But did you did you catch the name of the band in this movie? Uh, yeah, they're called uh, Spastic Colon, which is... <laughs> 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 I love it. You know, because this is a comedy. That's the one thing about it is um, a lot of the heavy metal horror was more serious from the 80s. And then what I did like is that this one, this really is a, it's a comedy horror and they know it. And so I think they've just played with that right from the very beginning, right when you open up and the singer's got, you know, this belly shirt on, uh, you know oh. what you're in for. It starts with the band rehearsing and they're playing uh, this Hendrix cover. It's because they're having tryouts for new guitar players because they've got a showcase in a few days time and they need to get a new guitar player in order to play <laughs> in order to play the showcase. The singer, Johnny, has got sleeveless denim on denim, a headband 
Um, he's clearly not really into metal in real life. <laughs> and he's got like the tightest boob tube vest on in the world yes. with his, like, his belly out. It's amazing. They're having guitar tryouts and there's a guy there and he's pumping out hot licks, but Johnny hates him. The rest of the band think he's really good, you know, but he's hogging the limelight. Johnny's not interested. I mean, this is probably why they got rid of the first guitarist in the first place, but they tell him, get gone, he's too good. Yeah, and this is where we meet Tracy Lords too, who is the band's manager in this film. This really reminded me, there was a programme that used to be on in the 90s in the UK, an Australian thing called Pugwall Summer. <laughs> and I sent you the video of it, and it just, the band looked like Pugwall Summer. It's like an episode of Saved by the Bell trying to do heavy metal. Like, it's... Hard to explain unless you've seen it, but it is this very awkward transitional time in rock music where it's become so commercialized that it's just the farthest thing from authentic, and that's what I think makes it really funny. What was that? What was that other one like? Saved by the Bell. That was about. Oh God, what was it called? The theme tune went surf dudes with attitude, kind of groove it. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and their guitar, they, they were like a mishmash of people, like Saved by the Bell, and their guitar player um, had a leather jacket, and he was the cool guy who ended up joining the band. And every every episode would be like someone to have a beer at a party and then crash a car and they learn a, learn a lesson. <laughs> oh God, what was it called? Somebody please email me in. I'm not looking for it now. <laughs> but yeah, Johnny hates the guitar player, but the guitar player who just says, do you think I've got the gig? The band love him. Singer, he's just a sassy twat. And he's like, no. <laughs> he just tells him to go. And he says, every fucking retard in the world thinks they're a rock star. He said, does anybody know how to play guitar? Or do they just own one? <laughs> he's got some awesome one-liners in this movie. They're really, really funny. I mean, actually, there's a the one-liners for all the characters, I think, are pretty good. But... Man, he comes out swinging right away. I love this character. I think he's he's really amusing, and he never lets up the whole film. He's that no, character. No, he he you can tell he's loving it as well. We get into it later. He's like, if you were to look up camp in the dictionary, there's just a picture of this guy in his in his sleeveless <laughs> denim and his belly top, sassin <laughs> sassin guitar players at his tryouts. <laughs> They've only got two guitar players left to try. The next guy's in the bathroom tuning up. They've only got two left. And the showcase is tomorrow, guys. Eric, you've been in bands. I don't know if you've ever had the misfortune to ever be involved in playing at a showcase gig. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been roped into a couple of those kinds of events and it's really awkward. It's really uncomfortable and it feels, uh, feels like everything wrong with being in a band when you subject yourself to that environment. Yeah, it's horrible. Hated, hated it. I only ever had to do it a few times, and uh, we we never got picked up, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If a new guitar player doesn't turn up tonight, then we're screwed. That's it. And the promoter ain't gonna sign us without a guitar player, man, <laughs> because this is how the music industry works. <laughs> Johnny says the promoter isn't interested in like fancy ass guitar playing and two hand tapping and all that sort of shit. He's interested in his songs and that's it. <laughs> so we're gonna have to get one. If, if it comes down to hiring one of these idiots, these numb nuts, then we'll have to do it. And he just says it like a totally sassy bitch. <laughs> does anybody here know a guitar player? It turns out, yeah, one of the guys does, but he's a totally uncool Poindexter. And you can tell that by his short hair, man. He's got short hair. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's got the um, the the thick rimmed glasses too to to denote that he's a nerd. It's a nerd alert, EK. That's what it is. Nerd alert. <laughs> well, and to make it worse, he uh, he works at a pizza shop, and that's that's his big job. But not only is he a nerd, he's a he's a nerd pervert too. He de- he makes. He doesn't disguise that at all, which I think is funny because he's instantly unlikable. Even though he's the nerd and we're supposed to root for the nerd, he's a nerd you don't want to root for from from the moment you meet him. Well, this is true, yeah. As Eric says, one thing that this guy has got on the menu is peephole pizzas, and he's <laughs> and he's spying on girls getting changed. He get he gets a personal phone call at work about the gig. Somebody the uh, the guy from the band phones him up and says, "Oh, hi Martin. Uh, this is Jay, the quality actor." <laughs> uh, on Oh man. <laughs> on the phone. Now his dad manages the trailer park that he lives in and he says, "You're always playing the guitar too loud and my dad's been complaining about it. How would you like to audition for my metal band?" Cuz <laughs> cuz we're going on tour with Creeping Flesh. <laughs> yeah, that's a cool name. It is a cool name. Yeah. Whilst in the pizza restaurant that's called the Pizza Playhouse, with his douchey boss <laughs> and the other staff, they notice a voodoo lady. <laughs> there goes the old voodoo lady, the pizza girl says. I heard she does black magic and like she's, you know, real bad voodoo stuff. Now, don't get me wrong, voodoo is not Satanism, is it? No, but it's often linked together in, uh, in cultures that don't understand anything. Ah, that'll be wise. <laughs> you know what I love is when they introduce the, the lady, the voodoo priestess just happens to be walking by a pizza shop in the middle of the day because she's got nothing else going on. This immediately always reminds me of uh, Zombie Nightmare because that's the, the, you know, the whole premise too is this voodoo priestess that has to intervene. And, you know, that's another, technically it's not a heavy metal horror, but I still consider it a heavy metal horror because of the soundtrack and Thor's in it. I think that it would be a good double feature with this. Zombie Nightmare and Shock 'em Dead could be really fun together. So he gets off with the gig on the phone and it, because it's with creeping flesh, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm on, I'll do it now. I'm leaving. He asks his douchey boss if he can leave and he's like, no, you can't. I don't care who the tour's with. I don't care if it's with Queen. You're not going. <laughs> And he's like, well, fuck you, I'm going. I'm going on tour with a band. I did this, Eric, when I was a kid. I used to work at a shop called Quicksave, which is a supermarket. And uh, they wouldn't give me the time off to go on tour with another band. And I did, I just, I was like, fuck you, man. And I went on tour. <laughs> I went on tour with a band called Terrorvision and um, oh. <laughs> Baby Chaos and a German punk band called Die Tottenhosen. Do you remember them? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, when I was 15. <laughs> now, I have a question for you. When you when you told your boss to fuck off, did he take a, a plate of spaghetti and pour it on you like you would? No, he, he didn't, but... Uh, I love that Tony, his boss, like, instead of being the bigger man and the more mature business owner, he just responds by um, just pouring pizza sauce all over him and he's like good luck at your at your gig i just thought that was a really nice way of uh, giving it back to him he tells him you're gonna make a really bad impression now because you're covered in tomatoes he's like you look <laughs> awful they're never gonna have you you poindexter get gone <laughs> first bite is with the eye ek and he's failing with that oh yeah <laughs> Greg from the band is having doubts about his rock and roll life choices. Tracy's dad works in construction. She says, don't worry, 
if this all fails, you could always get a job as a builder with my dad. But as John Cena always says, EK, never give up, never give in. <laughs> Greg needs to listen to John Cena. <laughs> you know what? I just read um, something I never knew just today about John Cena, that his dad took his name over. Did you know that whole story? No, I didn't know that. So John Cena is a junior... But his dad used to be involved in wrestling in some way back in the day and had his own name. But when John Cena like became huge, his dad started appearing uh, under his own name, which is legally his name because he was John Cena, but it was misrepresenting. And so people were paying to come who they thought they were seeing and they were seeing the old dad and he had to intervene and tell his dad to cut it out. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, well, there you go. The original John Cena didn't give up. He never gave up. <laughs> That's right. That's the moral of the story. Greg says, I've got talent and I'm going to be somebody someday. And that is taking advice from a wasp poster in the background, Eric. <laughs> Dude, there's some great posters in this room. There in is. the practice room. Yeah. I saw an Alice Cooper poster. I mean, there's all kinds of good stuff. He says, I didn't ask you to manage the band because you're my girlfriend, Tracy Lords. I asked you because I thought you believed in me. And she says, I do believe in you, Greg. And do you know what? I hope his dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> the audition, on, on the other hand, is fucking rotten. It's a total shit show. The guy turns up covered in sauce with his short hair doesn't he know what short hair who is this guy right yeah he's awful at guitar playing even though he instantly does pinch harmonics <laughs> <laughs> the response of this singer is we were already talking about it at the beginning of you know he's just throwing a bitch fit about every guitarist that auditions and this guy is is not doing the job and his response did you um did you write down his response to to the tryouts because i i laugh out loud every time i watch this part he says we've done it guys we've done it we have found the worst guitar player in the world and he tells martin he says how'd you do it how'd you get so bad tell me how many hours of non-practice it took you to get this bad <laughs> And then Martin storms out of the room, all upset, and the, the other guys are going, you're being a bit harsh on him there. You're being a bit harsh on this. <laughs> Johnny's tired of non-professionals because, EK, you know, it's it's the creeping flesh gig. It's big time, yeah. big money. And the showcase is off if there's no guitarist. No guitarist, no gig, no no creeping flesh. Tracy, get it cancelled, but we're off. We're not doing it. Yeah, and Martin, we didn't uh, mention too, Martin, the actor, is played by Stephen Quatros, and he, I don't know if you guys have tackled any of his stuff yet, but he was in Demon Wind. You ever seen that one? I have seen Demon Wind, yeah, I just, uh, I didn't recognize him from it, though. And then he's got a bit part in the David A. Pryor film Lost Platoon. That's, uh, that's a classic. And... <laughs> And then the one I was most surprised by that he was in, and then once you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Have you ever seen, I think it's 1989, a really bizarre art house film called Dr. Caligari? No, but I heard you talk about it on one of your past episodes, EK. Yeah. Yeah, he plays the scarecrow in Dr. Caligari, and that, like, blew my mind. Uh, <laughs> talk about... If you only got a few credits to your name, but you've been in Shock'em Dead and a David Pryor film and all that, I mean... I will uh, spend the night watching his films. <laughs> oh, well, see you on the other side. 
Martin, because this whole gig has gone tits up for Martin. He was terrible, he was covered in sauce. It was the wrong kind of saucy. That's not the kind of saucy you need in a rock mm. band. Nope. So he goes back. He goes back to see Pizza Tony, and he's like, "Tony, can I have can I have my job back? I'm sorry for telling you to fuck off. I, <laughs> I haven't got the gig." And Tony just tells him to fuck. He grabs him by the face and he pushes him <laughs> out the door into the path of the voodoo lady. <laughs> <laughs> the voodoo lady is outside. She says, "Martin, I can give you whatever you want." You only need to unlock the power that is within you. And Martin's like, how do you know? My name's Martin. And she says, voodoo! <laughs> <laughs> the answer to everything. Yeah. Martin is back in his trailer, trying his, trying his artist to do some riffs. And an old man comes banging on the door, a landlord, and he's wearing one of them hats that Brian Johnson wears out of ACDC. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> Think everyone in the park wants to hear you play? You give me your, you, you, you're busting my balls here, buddy. <laughs> that's my, that's my American New York accent for you there. Uh, that's a good that. one. I love his, his trailer cracks me up inside the like stage dressing for this. It's just filled with empty beer cans and pizza boxes, but like a, like a ridiculous amount too. And he's telling them, you got to get all your shit out by the end of the night. And I was just looking around at what he had, like putting myself in his situation, having to actually clean that up would be really, really funny. Cause it would just be nothing but beer cans. And not to spoil it, but we do get to see what it looks like when all this shit is thrown outside <laughs> later. And it's yeah. exactly that. It's just beer cans. It's just a pile of shit. <laughs> it totally is. Just a dump. He says, you can't chuck me out, Mr. Landlord Man. I've got rights. And he says, right, sir. Wise guy, huh? <laughs> he goes, I got a right for you. Do you take me for some kind of jabroni? And he gives him a sharp dad punch in the stomach. And he goes, <laughs> goes down, square in the guts. <laughs> and he says, I want you out of here by midnight. Why are you on it? <laughs> Martin says, someday I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be so famous that people are going to stand in line to hear me play, you stupid landlord man. And he says, yeah, you even dream you're famous. You better wake up and slap yourself, you schmuck. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so good. I, I mean, these trailers, I, I want one of these American trailers in my garden. I want one. Me and Fletch went camping um, before, well, while people were allowed out. We went camping. <laughs> we went to a fishing place. Now, neither of us were interested in fishing at all. We just wanted to stay in a, uh, a futuristic camping pod, which we did. But it was like in the middle of a lockdown. So there's nobody there apart from a handful of fish people. <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, where we were camped opposite us was just like a massive caravan trailer graveyard where people had just left their trailers to die and there was this big American one there like this and I was so tempted to just ask the guy just say look if I give you 200 quid can I have it and then drag it down and stick it in the garden <laughs> I, I have a I had a friend who did that they in their backyard um, put in a really cool vintage like probably a 1950s or 60s era camper uh, and yeah. they completely renovated it so when you walked in it felt like a, a real house or an apartment but from the outside it just looked like a 50s camper and that's their that was their guest house for their friends when they'd come visit and all of the all the decorations and the design inside was all authentic to the era too so all the artwork and the the dinnerware and everything so when you went in it was like you walked back in time and it's it's seriously it was so incredibly cool 
That sounds amazing. Yeah. I mean, I don't think mine would be like that. It'd probably have like a Sega Mega Drive in it and a, and a beer fridge. <laughs> <laughs> a stack of pizza boxes and beer. Yeah, that's it. I'll just be soloing in there. And uh, <laughs> I'll just be soloing in there really badly and the whole neighbourhood can hear me and I'll get chucked out and I'll come back from a gig to find my, my cans and pizza boxes waiting for me outside. <laughs> Talking of jabronis, because we mentioned jabronis, Martin has literally hit rock bottom. Oh, God, that's a Dwayne Johnson joke. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes to see the voodoo lady, and she's sitting in a wicker chair playing with a rabbit, and she's... (coughs) Excuse me. He goes to see the voodoo lady, and she's sitting in a wicker chair stroking a rabbit that's on her lap and she says do you believe in a higher power to martin and martin says what do you mean god close enough now he has (laughs) he has to offer his allegiance to the voodoo give your soul up to the voodoo my child to the voodoo (laughs) (laughs) it's worth it though because she asks what he wants and he he's, doesn't dance around it. He says, I want to be the greatest rock star in the world. Yeah. Not just that, though, Eric. Everything that comes along with that. Everything that oh. comes along with a rock star's life. He, everything. <laughs> and boy, does he get it. This, to me, is the point in the film where I wrote down on my notes, here we go, because, because yeah. I knew what was coming. <laughs> it's showtime. So the voodoo lady makes this 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 scandalous offer to Martin and he goes, uh, yeah, right then, yeah, I'll give it a go. (laughs) (laughs) And he he sits down with the voodoo lady and tells her that he wants this rock and roll dream. I want the rock and roll lifestyle and everything that comes with it. An ungodly pitch-shifted power solo drifts through the wind from hell. (laughs) (laughs) The ceremony has begun. Oh, so she stabs him to start this like she stabs him in the back or something like that I don't remember and it kind of glows green and this takes him into the underworld uh, rock dimension (laughs) which man if this is if this is the underworld sign me up because this is this is the place to be this is the party right now oh mate they say it's hell I mean like you say EK sign me up that's up for me I mean what does it take I'll do a couple of bad things before I go just to seal the deal he awakens in a land filled with fog there's a graveyard there complete with zombies coming up as well EK this is really is voodoo town (laughs) (laughs) but he's bemassed because the the voodoo lady put a mask on him before she sent him to the hell realm and he's like, oh, I can't get the mask off. He sees, he spies a casket in the distance. He opens it up. <laughs> Inside it, there is the type of skeleton that you get in a school to look at. But you can tell it's him because it's got a Beatles wig on and it's got <laughs> short hair. <laughs> the corpse turns into the solid form of Martin the Poindexter, lying there in the coffin. And then the zombie that came out of the ground slams the lid shut. Then it happens, E.K. Wimmer. The devil appears. Oh, man. This may be one of the greatest devil in cinematic history, honestly. From now on, this is the devil in my head. Whenever anyone ever mentions the devil, it is 80s guitar virtuoso Michelangelo standing there as a horned beast. He's got the tightest leather trousers on you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) He is flanked by two powerful hellmills. (laughs) 
He's playing an ambidextrous, twin-necked, white, BC Rich guitar. He's harmonising with himself. <laughs> the only time I remember, I, I remember seeing Michelangelo in guitar magazines when I was learning to play guitar when I was a kid, and just seeing the crazy two guitar thing, and I'd totally forgotten he even existed until we were watching this a Saturday afternoon a year ago, and I just spat beer out. I was going, the devil is Michelangelo! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, you know, he kind of developed that technology. I watched a, an interview with him about how he got involved with Shock'em Dead. And mm -hmm. he was saying, you know, well he, well, he tells the backstory of how they roped him into this. That's a different story. But they also asked how he came up with this notion of the twin neck to, to duel solo. He's basically a, a one-man Judas Priest, if he could just scream really high, you know, all in one, the perfect band. But he was saying that he, as a kid, saw a guy with two saxophones at the same time and thought, oh, what would happen if I did that with guitars? And it got out of control because did you watch that video that I sent you of his band Nitro? Oh, oh my God, <laughs> did I watch it? Mate, I spat coffee out. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's probably one of the most amazing videos I've ever seen. And its he's got four necks on that guitar. That's going in yeah. every direction. Every, you know, <laughs> the winds of change is that guitar. It's got every direction possible. And those vocals of that singer, you know, I'm all for like doubling a vocal take if you need to. But I think I lost count. There's got to be like five or six vocal tracks doubled over over oh. the top. And they're all screaming at different pitches. It's so much fun. And that hair, that's like Axl Rose 12.0. It's huge. The hair is so massive. Yeah, I never, I didn't realize he was in a band. I just thought he was a guy that was in guitar magazines with two guitars. <laughs> no, so, so to your listeners, look up on YouTube, Nitro Freight Train, and that's how you'll yeah. get this video. And you will... You've never seen anything, or I'll say you'll never, you've never heard anything quite like it, because this just is, it's incredible. And, and there he is, he's just sitting there like a quiet Mick Mars with four guitar necks soloing all by himself the whole time. Absolutely ludicrous. He is the devil in this scene, and he is riffing that hard with both of his hands, harmonizing with himself, flanked by two leather helmets, for want of a better explanation. And Martin, he reaches for the dual-necked BC Rich, and the power of Satan compels him! <laughs> Lightning <laughs> flies out of the guitar and fills him with the power of the devil and all of the guitar knowledge of Michelangelo. <laughs> <laughs> Martin passes out because this is far too much metal for one human man <laughs> to withstand. <laughs> so, but when he wakes up, EK, the next day, <laughs> oh, he, wow. wakes, he wakes up to his new life. He wakes up to his wish. He discovers that he has one, a super powerful jacked up black mullet that is just, it's a sight to behold. He's like a glorious peacock of a man. He, he looks like Theater of Pain era Nikki Six, like that kind of hair. <laughs> it does, yeah. It's honestly, it's jacked up with so much hairspray. It looks amazing. His house looks like, I don't know if you ever saw, um, I, I'm a massive, massive KISS fan and uh, when I was a kid I had on VHS KISS Exposed. I have, I saw it only the once and I don't remember it but I definitely remember, uh, remember watching it. I did like KISS as a kid too so, but you'll have to tell me because I don't remember now. Well it's done as if it's a Lifestyles of the Rich and yeah. Famous thing oh, and that's this right. guy's yeah, going yeah. to 
yeah, going to interview Kiss at their big, massive lady mansion that they live in. In, I don't know, Hollywood or something like that. And there's literally just MILFs draped all over the place. It's ludicrous. It looks like this man's house. He's on a leopard print waterbed. <laughs> Not only that, he wakes up to a vision of beauty. It, a girl that's there, and she says, Hi, my name's Michelle. We've been expecting you. Don't forget that he asks for everything that comes along with the rock and roll lifestyle. The whole package, which means hot rock chick ladies. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, this is like uh, David Lee Roth's vision here. And he wakes up and you know, they start showing him around a little bit because now he's got his babes, he's got his cool hair. He's actually pretty ripped already, which I was surprised by. That's um, maybe yeah. not as common with <laughs> with rock stars of the 80s, but he's in good shape. <laughs> and he's, he's they're showing him around. My favorite is what he finds right after this is his his practice space, like his guitar room. It's kind of like the um, Spinal Tap scene when he walks in the room and it's got, <laughs> got, got guitars everywhere. That's exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Although what I love is that he's got the power of like Lucifer's chops for, for shredding. And yet he can only afford like one small guest room in this house for his entire practice space, which makes yeah. me laugh because... It's kind of like being a professional skater and only getting like one tiny ramp to work on. You know, it's, I, I would have envisioned if he had anything he wanted to be a guitar god, he'd have this like palace of a practice space, but it makes me laugh that he's got like somebody's, you know, little kid bedroom just shoved with a bunch of guitars in it. It's clearly somebody's house that they borrowed for the weekend to film it. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like the producer's <laughs> yeah. house or something. A part of this, this dream lifestyle that he's got, that he's woken up to, Three hell wives have manifested for him. The devil only had two, EK. Now he's got three. <laughs> yeah. Three rock chick ladies, one of which he meets looking through his, his, his vast guitar room. <laughs> she's in the hot tub outside and she's like, oh, hi, I'm your third wife. Do you want to come and have, get in the hot tub? And he's like, not in a minute. I'm going to go and sit down and see if this worked. Picks up a six string and now he can play. He can play with the power of two-finger tapping. Praise be to Satan, it worked. <laughs> He's given him the gift of sweeping arpeggios. <laughs> it's so fast, too. It's so insanely fast. I read, somebody had asked the director, you know, did was that sped up? And he said, no, that's just how, how Michelangelo really plays in real life. That's just the thing that he's decided to devote his life to is being ridiculously fast. And I don't know, I mean, you play guitar too, you know that there is no need for the playing the notes from different approaches of the neck. You could just no. play it like a normal human. Uh, it's very amusing and it's really funny. And he seems super stoked on all this because he's got these gifts now. He's got the devil's ability to shred. I, the whole setting of this like suburban house with three wives, it reminded yeah. me like if somebody watched, do you remember Three's Company with um, Suzanne Somers? It's just, a, it's a sitcom with John Ritter and he's got three women that live in the house with him and it's just all the shenanigans they get in. This is like the sat satanic metal version of Three's Company where they get to all just share one roof and he just gets to pick up a guitar at any time. And instead of just playing like a normal human, he's he plays like a, an un unchained, unhinged demon of the underworld ready to shred and spread his powers through the land. If you imagine, like, the feet of Michael Flatley when it comes to the river dance, but <laughs> equate... 
equate that to fingers and you're, you're not even halfway there. <laughs> yeah, he's really, he's like the Chopin of guitars. You know, he does this, he also does this other technique. I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, and I think he does it in the, the Nitro video too, where there's no need, but he crosses his hands one over the top of the other so that he's playing, you know, like if you watch a pianist play piano and they, they go to switch and play like a higher uh, octave, they'll put their hand over the top of the other hand that's playing and kind of make an X shape. He does that on yeah. his guitar for no reason. It's just pure showmanship <laughs> because it, you know what? If I had the power of Satan to shred, I'd probably be doing those cool moves too. So I can't blame him. Exactly. This is what I'm saying. This version of hell, it looks pretty good. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty inviting. If anything, this promotes Satanism. We talked earlier about the, the band that was trying out. Now, Johnny, the singer, he said that promoters are not interested in this fancy ass two hand guitar playing shenanigans. They were interested in his sweet, sweet lyrics. Now, here's an example of his sweet, sweet lyrics. He says, I made my move. She got real snooty. She turned and said to me, I'm a virgin girl. I'll wait till I'm married. I don't go down on my knees. I'll wait till I'm married. Don't you touch me. And then when he's doing this, he's actually doing what I call the sassy finger dance. It's just sassy oh, yeah. finger dance. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's amazing. He's, he's, take, he's taking his sleeveless jacket off now, and he's in full boob tube. <laughs> and, and the band are trying out a new guitar player. And he's all right. He's not full of hell riffs, though, is he? You know, no. he's not up to that standard. Sorry. This guy is so funny. The guy who, he looks like uh, like Dave Mustaine's young uh, cousin or something like that. He's got this ginger mane that's all curly. He actually looks like the dude from the Stone Age. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. That's a pretty funny one. But he's, he's, he's got, got this long hair, this bandana, very much a early 90s guitarist trying out for this band. He's not doing too bad either. I mean, he's doing fine. That is until the door swings open to reveal sexy Martin, because he's now flanked by his three chicks, looking like the love child of beautiful Bobby Eaton and Brandon Lee and the Crow. He's like, <laughs> it's like a fusion of black and mullets. Oh yeah, so <laughs> yeah. many mullets. The band don't recognize him at all because he, he just looks, he looks so different. And he says, I hear you guys are looking for a guitar player. And he makes his way over. He gives the other guy, the ginger fella, he gives him the boot, he kicks him up the arse, he goes, get out, get out of here. He <laughs> plugs in and he just riffs one off straight away. <laughs> this is where I first noticed it's clearly not him playing the guitar. And it cuts away to him doing like riff faces. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this is all Michelangelo. He, so the way he got involved was the director, Mark Freed, had this story and they knew that they needed to have some kind of not, not an average guitarist. It had to really be somebody who would have the power of Satan when he plays guitar. And he had produced an instructional guitar video with Michelangelo like two years earlier. And so he immediately went to him and asked him if he would be involved. And so apart from playing the devil scene, all of the guitars not only are performed by him, but in the film, he's the, he's the hand double. There's some difference here because I saw an interview with, with Michelangelo and he said the whole film was based on him. That's why it kind of looks like him and that's why he has the two necks and stuff. So I don't know. There's probably, as years go by, people start to kind of change the way the film came to be. But either way, uh, it all revolves around his guitar techniques. And so, yeah, all the hands that you see 
are, are him ridiculously shredding, and then it'll do this cut to a wide shot of, um, of our guy Martin doing kind of the John Mayer, like, uh, Guitar gasm face, you know. Yeah, he's doing like a stinky riff face. He's like, "Oh, this riff <laughs> yeah. stinks so good." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I call it the yeah. guitar gasm. But the band are astounded by his speed. The drummer's like, "Wow!" <laughs> <laughs> and Johnny's Johnny's super happy. He says, "You've got yourself the gig." Martin says, "I know." And they say, "What's your name, kid?" He says, "Martin." Um, Angel Martin. Yeah, <laughs> Angel Martin is born. He's a demon with the name Angel. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. That's clever, subversive thinking, that is. That is, is top-notch. <laughs> Johnny shows Martin his uh, the tablature for all the songs for the set, and he goes, have a look at these and uh, learn these. Don't bother about learning them, all of them, because we'll only do two tomorrow. And he just hands it back and goes, yeah, I've learnt it immediately. I've just looked at it now. It's in my head. He's like, what? You, can, you can't do it that quick. And he says... I don't know who wrote this bullshit, but a monkey could follow this tablature. And he's like, what? All right, hotshot. How about you play me the intro to a song called Hairy Cherry? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, he nails it. Johnny hates this. And he's like, look, this is all right. He plays the riff and he says, but why don't you try like this? And he puts in some two-finger tapping. (laughs) And he gets the gig immediately. His fingers... Of, you know, praise be to Satan. He's got a, he's got a job. <laughs> I, you know what I love about this whole scene is hilarious. And he, the way he hands him his notes for the, you know, the the notations for his songs, and he he doesn't even look at it. He just hands it back. It reminds me of Short Circuit. How Short Circuit reads a book really fast, you know, and he's got it. But so he short circuits his music, and then when he does that thing where he says, "Well, here's what you wrote. How about you do it this way?" You know, we've both been in bands our whole lives. You know that guitarist. I've I've always been in a band with that guy who yeah. wants to take a song that sounds fine, and then he's like, "But what if what if we made it about me and just yeah. muddled it up as much as possible, as though that's a good yeah. thing?" Johnny just stands there looking all sad in his vest, and everybody else is high fiving, and he says, "Let's have a party at my place to celebrate." The band and Tracy Lords are stoked. Oh yeah, <laughs> and there's a quick scene so- of the the long haired red red haired guy that was trying out and got the boot from Angel. He, there's a really quick scene that makes me laugh where he sees what happens with him shredding and realizes there's no way he can compete with it. And he just yeah. <laughs> slams his fist on the wall as he leaves in, in disappointment. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Got another gig lost to the power of Satan. <laughs> Damn you, tie-dye. Damn you, Pearl Jam! <laughs> Martin is getting it on with Michelle, one of his three wives, on his leopard print, on his silk leopard print waterbed, and he notices, he notices her face in the reflection, and he's like, oh! He recoils in horror because she's got a burnt face, E.K. Wimmer. That's what she looks like, and he's like, what's, what's the crack with this? And she says, ah. When you make a deal with the devil, there's always a catch. And he's and he's like, so this is my catch. My wife can't look in the mirror. And he's like, no, no, it's not always about you. She said, <laughs> all, of, <laughs> all of us rock chicks here made a deal with El Diablo himself to become beautiful. The only way you can see our real faces is when we are reflected. But can I just point out, not in a normal standard, you know, run of the mill mirror, 
It has to be in silver, <laughs> just for later on, so don't forget that. I got burnt really badly. I got him to unburn me. That's it. I look like this in the mirror. <laughs> Marilyn, she was born, sorry. Marilyn, she was born deformed. They don't really go into that, so <laughs> that's her part of the deal. Monique had cancer and she had her soul stolen immediately by the voodoo lady. She's like, "Gives that, I'll have that. Now you've got to feed on people for eternity, feeding on their spirits, on their green gassy spirits that come out of them. Here's a voodoo dagger, you, this is for stabbing them up. <laughs> and Martin says, well, what's my deal? I've, I seem to know everything's fine. Three wives, two neck guitars, I'm living the dream. She says, I don't know, I'm sure we'll find out. And they find out immediately, because it turns out he cannot eat food because he too, <laughs> he too is in the same predicament as Monique. And she shows him that they've got the same scars. She's like, look, Scar, you're virtually indestructible now, but if you eat any human food, it turns into something toxic inside you and it will kill you and you can't swallow it. I'm afraid you're gonna to have to change your eating habits now and human food is off the menu. <laughs> I think of all the demon lore of all the movies ever made, this has gotta be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I love it, it makes me laugh, the idea that you can be all-powerful, immortal, satanic rock god, but you can't have like a hamburger or else you will die. That's your that's your yeah. great downfall is french fries. And you know what? It would get you eventually, wouldn't it? You'd be standing out outside Subway sniffing the bread smell. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't, they go, do you want to come in, mate? They go, no, I can't. <laughs> like you'd be walk, walking around the supermarket and they're offering you, offering you a sample of a pretzel and he just recoils in horror. <laughs> no, no. But there's no time to worry about that now because it's party time. It's nine o'clock and the corks are popping. It's in full swing. <laughs> Tracy is at the party and uh, Martin says, I'm, I'm so glad you came to the, the party. Gives her a drink. She drops the bomb that Greg is her fiance. They're gonna get married. But Martin doesn't understand this because he says, oh, you didn't walk through the door at the same time. So he cannot be your boyfriend. <laughs> That's it. But they live in different parts of town. Martin says, if you were my fiance, I wouldn't let you live on the other part of town. You'd live here in my big rock and roll castle. And she gives him the, oh you, eyes. <laughs> Voodoo lady then turns up at the party, un uninvited, demanding to talk to Martin, freaking all the kids out, but they, they don't really do anything. They go, what's that weird old voodoo lady doing here? And then they carry on with their party antics. <laughs> I really love, the voodoo lady is great. I, she's so much fun. Every time she's yeah. on screen, she just steals the show. I mean, she's really such a, an excellent cast. This is the only thing she ever did too. So I don't know if they actually just saw her wandering outside of a real pizza shop and said, hey, we, <laughs> we wrote a role around you. You're just playing yourself. I don't know, because she really is believable. Well, she does a really good old lady walk when she's walking around. <laughs> yeah, it's like an Ozzy Osbourne walk. You know how Ozzy shuffles yeah. now? Yeah, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, who's he? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> you may have forgotten who you were, you dirty pizza poindexter man. I gave you this waterbed. You sit down and listen to me on that waterbed. Don't you ever forget who I am. And she gives him a box of voodoo knives to do some killing and said, yeah, stab some people up with these so that you, you may feast on their green souls. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, this wasn't part of the deal, but it was. 
and it's too late to change it. It's too late. The deal, the deal is done. And he tells the voodoo lady, he's like, look, things have changed. I, I've got three wives. Yeah, I would like to add Tracy Lords as my fourth wife, if, that, if that's okay. And she says, unacceptable. <laughs> you cannot have a fourth zombie wife. No dice on the zombie wife. But the thing is, he's full of the devil's riffs now. You know, he's, he's done the deal. The deal is done. You can't go back. Unless you play your guitar, enchant yourself with the power of Satan, spill her blood in some water, yeah? It's simple enough. And that's it. And then, now this is the deal, yeah? Now this is the deal. She, <laughs> she changes it. There you go. Flips the script. I'll take your offer. And that's it. It's the water. Water ceremony now. Yeah, you can have the zombie wife. <laughs> The drummer from the band is smoking doobies in a hot tub with one of Martin's girls whilst he's getting some bubbly out of a, out of a silver wine cooler. He notices her hideous face in the reflection, but he just thinks it's because he's smashed and he carries on getting off with her. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to stop him. Some of Greg's mates at the party decide that they want a pizza. Just like, I want a pizza. Martin knows where to get pizzas from in this town. He goes to the counter, there's a guy that looks like they've replaced him with another Poindexter that looks exactly like him. <laughs> I want to order a fucking pizza! Martin screams in this pizza guy's face saying, last time I came here, the food wasn't to spec because this is what the boss was moaning about, the amount, the, the amount of slices of pepperoni. And he's like, yeah, nobody cares, man. Don't talk to me like the man, man. Now he's on the other side of the counter and he's giving these poor people shit. It's not his fault. He's not your boss. What you're doing here, Martin, is projecting. Mm-hmm. That's right. Martin screams, you've done the pizza wrong. I'm going to come in there and I'm going to make it myself like a massive douchebag. <laughs> I love that the, the, the man who is possessed by the power of Satan has nothing better to do than go like, dig up old wounds at his pizza place and show some random, you know, mid minimum wage workers how to, how to properly make a pizza, but an angry pizza. This is what he's doing with his time right now. This is his best use of his time. He grabs one of the poor girls by the head and he dunks her head under the tomato sauce, laughing at her, going, yeah, try the sauce. <laughs> he's such an asshole. Tony arrives, pulls his shotgun on him. <laughs> he's like, get out of here. And he's like, yeah, let's let's run then. And he squares and they steal some pizzas and run off into the night. <laughs> After the party, the party's over, all of the last of the guests have gone, all of the pizza is eaten, Martin hot-tails it back to the pizza playhouse and he, he's there to stab up Tony. <laughs> <laughs> so he attacks Tony outside and he stabs him and he swallows his bright green soul. You know, you're a you're a video game guy too. You know what this reminds me of? The the green soul is a Mortal Kombat 2 when Shang Tsung sucks the green essence out of the body. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's yes, and then he can become him later. Yeah, that's very much a, <laughs> like a Mortal Kombat fatality. Going back to the Kiss Exposed video uh, that I used to watch as a kid. <laughs> In that video, Paul Stanley sleeps with many, many women. <laughs> on a nightly basis and he has a pet monkey there's no monkey in this but Martin sleeps with his three wives in his silky sheets <laughs> he wakes up at 4.30 in the afternoon because he's been up all night rocking no doubt the showcase is in an hour I need to get my shit together and get to the showcase 
at the showcase, the promoter, he looks like a 1950s greaser. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, the gig's yours if this guitar player is hot shit, so I hope you've got a good guitarist. <laughs> oh boy, he, well, he doesn't yeah. know what he's in for. Buckle down, honky tonk man. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, Johnny the douchebag. Now Johnny's wearing quite an interesting costume at this point. He's got a red suit jacket, red bandana combination, not looking unlike a Backstreet Boy. And he has one giant Kerry King style metal gauntlet on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And he's got wrestling knee pads. Yeah. yeah, but it turns out he likes a bit of heroin. <laughs> well, that'll come into play at the very end. So it is kind of funny that uh, this scene, the only reason this scene is put in here is because of the ending. We have to know that, that his tools of the trade are available. Well, that's it. It's showtime. But Johnny is too busy shooting up junk in, in the toilets like a rock and roll bad lad. It's like watching Iggy Pop. When he, was, when he was falling at his worst. <laughs> and do you know what? He's, uh, Iggy Pop was one of the most electric performers of all time. He still is. So is Johnny when he hits that stage. Oh, yeah. Sing, I meet this babe. She's a total cutie. She's got long hair and she's got legs. <laughs> they plough into the absolute banger that is the I'm a Virgin Girl song that they were singing at the start. Oh, yeah. I noticed at this point, this sounds like a really bad... Frank Zappa song. Did you get that? Yeah, yeah, I could get that for sure. Well, because there's the yeah. rock elements, but the way the the vocals are coming out are not your classic kind of rock style vocals. So it's this weird jarring where it does sound like um like a comedy act almost. The crowd couldn't give a shit. Sat there, crossed arms. What time is the next band on? That is until Martin lets rip with his fingers of fire and flame and they're instantly on their feet. <laughs> instantly, <laughs> like stand innovation. <laughs> and he runs over to Johnny and he trips him up and he kicks him up the ass. He falls into the crowd. The crowd chuck him out of the room. <laughs> his solo is ridiculous. Like people, like it's changing people's lives in that room. They're like, what is, they're weeping, they're shouting. They're like, who is this man? He takes Johnny's place at the microphone as the front man of the band. And he's better, he's better. He's a better singer. And the ladies love Martin that much that they're just screaming and going mad. <laughs> now, and then Martin just pukes on one of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably one of my favorite scenes is he, he takes over, he's shredding, then he kicks the singer off the stage. He takes over singing, everybody's cheering. And then between the two songs that they're playing, he stops, looks over, and then just pukes on the woman in front of them. <laughs> yeah. The crowd and the promoters love it. She's like, oh, okay, he's, he's, he's clearly been sick on me. That just happened. <laughs> but then just when you think it can't get any more rock and roll, he brings out the big guns. He brings out the twin BC Rich to a Spinal Tap style fanfare introduction. <laughs> like, he's, like he's some, some sort of wizard of metal. <laughs> And he stands there, harmonizing with, his, with himself, right hand and left hand working independently. And these kids are, are losing their shit. They love it. In stark contrast to Johnny's song about the virgin girl at the start, <laughs> the start of the set, Martin is now singing a song about how good it is to have a slutty girl and that he's in love with a slut. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, while he's doing this dual action soloing where he's harmonizing this ambidextrous dual solo, uh, for, for all of you, your listeners who love art history, um, 
his, the, the guy playing this guitar, you know, his name's Michelangelo. I'd argue yeah. that uh, he's the real Da Vinci of the guitar solo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. two-handed magic. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm a dad. That was a dad joke. John Cena says, never give up. Never give up on a dad joke. And like John Cena's <laughs> father says, never give up on stealing your son's identity. Yeah, yeah. Johnny is outside of the show. He can just all he can do is just sit. He can sit in the car park and hear the the, the uh, mournful tones of "I'm in love with a slut" drifted <laughs> out of the, the arena. <laughs> yeah, and the security guard won't let let him back in because he's left his wallet and his bag of heroin needles and his car keys on the stage. And he says, "I'm the singer. Can you let me back in?" He says. Yeah, if you're the singer, who's that over there playing Jimi Hendrix better than Hendrix himself? <laughs> which is what he's doing! He's... <laughs> After the show, everyone is partying backstage. I mean, it's all gone really well. There's a lovely cake that he's not allowed to eat because he'll die. But there's a lovely... someone's made the effort. <laughs> Martin, speaking of food, is in the bathroom. He's weak! He's looking ill! He must feed while he's there. He spies a lady looking like a drunk auntie outside in the car park. <laughs> <laughs> She's got the white snake outfit on too, you know, the like wear the, the shirt or like a Def Leppard jeans, but as a shirt where it's all these cuts to, to reveal, you know, her body underneath, but with a normal yeah. tight dress around the outside. It's very late 80s, early 90s style. She's, she's dressed to the T's for a white snake video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he asks her, he says, look, I'm, uh, uh, thanks for coming to the show. I am the guitar wizard. Yes, it is me. I will talk to you, but I can't talk to you here. Have you got a car somewhere we can go and talk? You know, I won't eat your soul. <laughs> <laughs> While this is happening, Johnny is sat on his car waiting for the rest of his old band to come out so we can go home and he spots the couple headed off to the car. In the car, the drunk auntie lady says to uh, Martin, says, where are we going? And he turns around to her and he says, well, my dear, you're going to heaven and I'm going to hell. <laughs> Johnny, on the way to the car, picks up a stick because he's like, I'm going to do this. This guy has stolen my limelight. I'm going to I'm going to do it. And while he speaking of limelight, he's actually sucking a green limelight out of this woman's soul in the car because mm -hmm. it's tops off and knives out, unfortunately. <laughs> Johnny opens the door to see Martin draining the lady of a of a lime green life force. His eyes like an emerald flame. He turns around and growls at him, and he lets out a really high pitch like ah, <laughs> <laughs> and runs off into the night after having seen boob and knife. <laughs> Martin makes chase, and Johnny runs into the amphitheater to escape him, and he's doing his best campy running, and it's really, really good. You can tell Johnny is loving this for All of the people that are making this film are having a right old laugh, I think. Oh, I think so, too. And they didn't have much time. It only took three weeks. That's all they had for shooting <laughs> this, but you know they were having a blast doing this, no doubt. Yeah. Well, he goes into the dark for sanctuary, but he gets no such thing because Martin pops up with bright green eyes, and he goes, ah! <laughs> And he falls from a great height and dies. And then Martin goes down and stabs him up. Then heads back to the party for some schmoozing. Because he's now totally full up with yummy little souls. No room for lovely cake, even if he could eat it. He can't have it. I couldn't touch a morsel. 
The tour is on. The promoter is, is good for his word. He says, yes, it's on, lads. Your guitar player's sick. I would like, like to introduce you to a record executive that looks uncannily like Ric Flair. <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Troy Donahue, apparently, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How would you feel if he would have come out with a... Uh like a feather boa over him. I'd have loved that. I'd have been on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, Kate. That's, that's, uh, I'm always up for something fe feathery and glitzy. <laughs> <laughs> the band then gets signed there and then. Well, they, they attempt to sign the band with a massive advance. It's 125 thou. I love a film when they say thou. Nobody says thou anymore, do they? <laughs> no, you gotta bring it back. A massive advance of 125 thou against a 12 point deal. <laughs> a deal. Who are the real devils here? Am I right? The executives? Am I right, guys? <laughs> guys? But Martin says, no, I wanna shop around. People go, you're mad. He's just offered you loads of money. He's like, I am gonna get more money out of this guy. That's it, we sort it. While this is going on, Greg leaves with a groupie right in front of his fiance's face. <laughs> the cheek of it. So Tracy leaves with sexy Martin. Well, why not? You might as well. Mm -hmm. You might as well if that's how Greg's gonna. If Greg's gonna act like that, then uh, the games are afoot. <laughs> but to be fair to Tracy, she uh, she doesn't give in to the powers of Satan. As much as he tries, as much as he tries. The guys, the record executives say, we've got to sign that guy. I haven't seen anything that good since that guy who bit a bat's head off. Now, what was his name again? <laughs> How dare you, Ric Flair? How dare you? <laughs> Back at the house, Martin begins to woo Tracy with some acoustic guitars. Oh man, does he? That's oh. and he's even doing the the technique, the over the top technique with an acoustic guitar. He just he can't stop. <laughs> His power on the guitar is so good that he enchants himself, as as per the plan of the voodoo lady. And when he enchants himself, his eyes bright, go bright green and he throws up a load of green froth. <laughs> <laughs> then he releases a snake into the pool. Yeah. <laughs> Put some herbs and spices of the voodoo variety into the water, stirs it up with a voodoo knife, and then tries to tempt uh, Tracy into the hot, hot tub. Uh, don't go in, don't go in! It's alright, she doesn't. But she's not, you know, she's staying faithful to Greg. You know, I know he's a bit of a douchebag, but I really shouldn't get in a pool with uh, Satan and a snake. <laughs> <laughs> so she leaves and goes home, leaving him on his own. Well, leaving him in a hot tub with a snake. <laughs> and his own vomit that he's sitting in. Greg is waiting at uh, Tracy's house when she goes back and he's waiting and he tells her all about the horrible situation. He says, like, Johnny's dead. You're never going to believe what's happened. And we found somebody's dead auntie in a car. <laughs> this is a terrible situation. If, we, if only we hadn't got involved with that Martin. Greg says, it's okay. well, I'll stay with you tonight because there is a killer on the loose and you, you cannot be too careful. The trailer park landlord is at home in his trailer, taking it easy in his pants and vest, watching a bit of, well, what's he watching, EK? <laughs> He's watching a little um, family friendly, oh wait, no, never mind. it's not family friendly. It's uh, some porn on the TV, but not just any kind of porn, it's uh, kind of like tool time porn, if I'm not mistaken. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> there was a man on screen brandishing what can only be described as a drildo, a, oh. di- a dildo drill. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. that sounds like a um, like a thrash metal band name. Yeah, it does. Yeah, Martin arrives to his caravan to find that all of his beer cans and pizza boxes have been chucked outside, and he's like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> <laughs> and he storms into the landlord's um, caravan while he's taking his shit, and he picks him up grabs him by the head, flushes his head down the toilet with which he was just pooping in, oh, yeah. and then throws him <laughs> throws him to one side. He's about to kill him, but he gets distracted by the drill porno and he runs away. <laughs> <laughs> the landlord makes a run for it, and Martin, well, he's a rock star. What does he do? Smashes up the telly. Yep. Oh, man, <laughs> that scene where he pulls the landlord off the off the toilet and then sticks his head in his own dump it's that's that's really gross <laughs> that is really gross yeah that is next level it's not enough that he's done that you don't really see much drill porn nowadays so it's like that's what's going on on here yeah, gone yeah. into the night <laughs> the police have cottoned on to what's been going on in this town all this voodoo nonsense an LAPD policeman goes to goes to Martin's house to to you know re the Johnny's dead situation and the girls the three wives end up shooting him stabbing him and eating his soul <laughs> and then they hide him in the cupboard <laughs> at the record executive office it's it's the day of the big meeting and the band turn up and the executives are listening to a band called the mother's boys and it's like awful fake rap music with with what the lyrics are no, I don't like working, it's not for me. I don't like nothing less, unless it comes for free. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. And like Martin tells the executives, he's like, what is this bullshit that you've got on? He demands they turn it off. And then he demands that he wants 250,000 up front or no deal. And they're like, well, you know, and he goes, final offer, screams in their faces, screams in their corporate faces. But that's the language they understand and they give him a deal. And in six months, they say, in six months, you're going to be the biggest rock star in the world. And he says, I know I am. I did a deal with the devil. <laughs> now, did he gain some kind of ability to be a shrewd businessman when he got uh, the devil's touch? Or did he always have that and just voluntarily choose to work at a pizza shop? No, I think that all comes with the devil's touch. Okay. Martin tells Tracy that he wants a business place at his house it's six o'clock. So she ditches her, her meal out with Greg to go for this business meeting. He, he says, there's nothing shady, it's just purely business. I need to talk to you about some stuff. And if you can't do that as a band manager, Tracy Lords, I think you need to reassess the <laughs> career choices that you have made. <laughs> as, as soon as she arrives at the house, like Martin said, there's no shady shenanigans going on. He's a liar. He's full of the devil's touch because he kisses her immediately and tries it on. And she says, I think this is a bad idea. I, I've got to get out of here. She says, I've changed my mind. I'm going to meet Greg for that meal. I'm going and you can't stop me. And he says, all right, go for the meal. But I... Make me, you need to come back afterwards and he makes a promise to come back and he says I'll be waiting he's a really weird <laughs> character because he he gets in her face and says I refuse to let you leave unless you promise to come back and he's I mean this is just kind of the story of this character overall is he's so controlling and I just ask myself throughout the whole film Tracy seems like a really level headed person in this movie why why would she ever 
she just doesn't strike me as somebody who would be so, you know, blinded by his his mullet that she would give up all natural like gut feelings that he's just trying to, you know, chain her up in the basement. <laughs> blinded by the mullet. That's a new song. <laughs> yeah. But after after she goes, Greg turns up to confront Martin about the Tracy situation and he says, uh, she's not here, mate. Why don't you just back off? As he's they're having this argument, Greg notices the reflection of his devil wives, and he's like, oh! He sees their reflection in a silver Stratocaster that's hanging on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and he sees the girls' real faces, and Martin tells him to do one. He's like, fuck off, Greg. Greg runs outside to meet the drummer who's, at, who's waiting for him in the car, and he's like, oh my god, I've just had an argument with him, and... Uh, the, Tracy Lords wasn't there, granted, but in the reflection of the silver Stratocaster, I noticed that one of those girls, they've got really weird faces. And the drummer goes, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> the other night we were in the swimming pool. I saw that, but I thought I was, I thought I was, oh, I was really stoned. So that was real, was it? Uh, yeah, that was real. And he goes, oh, shit, shit. He tells the drummer, go and get a cop. I'm going to go and have a look, see what's going down. I'll tell you what is going down in the house. Monique, one of the wives, has invi invited a girl over so basically they can eat her at home like a takeaway. Yeah. Greg comes back to the house and he sees Martin and his hell wives killing the groupie in the kitchen after a Benny Hill style chase around the house. <laughs> <laughs> the cops arrive and knock at the door and they're all in the kitchen going, oh shit. So Martin says, get rid of the body and the wives hide the body in the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> at, at the door it's the cops and the cops there the cop says my name is officer meek i like that because he's, he's meek and mild because i'm a cop you're a crazy rock guy and he says what's this all about and greg says i saw you killing that girl in the kitchen voodoo shenanigans going on here he runs in and he, he grabs one of the girls and takes her in front of a normal run-of-the-mill mirror and obviously she just looks the same he's like look at her hideous face but she doesn't change it's not silver for plots <laughs> <laughs> but the guitar is pure silver that's what makes me laugh like when have you when have you ever known a guitarist who has a guitar made out of actual silver i've never known anyone uh, in be quite so in league with satan before okay so that's you know, true there's a there's a lot of firsts there's a lot of firsts in this only one. the <laughs> finest for satan martin's annoyed and he's like look from now on we only eat out we're no more bringing people home for gobbling them up and hiding them in the dishwasher. And as he's leaving, he's like, I'm going out, I've got stuff to do. He goes to get his coat and the dead cop's in the cupboard and he's like, guys! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there should have been a laugh track from a sitcom right there. Greg goes to tell Tracy about the whole sordid tale, the mirrors not working, the voodoo, the, the lot, everything. And she says, Greg, are you stoned again? I noticed this at this point. Everyone keeps asking Greg if he's stoned for the whole film, and he's clearly not a, any kind of stoner whatsoever. <laughs> At this point here, you get some top level, I mean, prime soap opera acting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because I was re-watching this uh, the other day, and I had to stop it to go do something, and I stopped it right about here. So we had already gotten past all the cool, you know, devil guitar solos and murders and stuff. And I, I walk back in and I hit play and it picks up on this scene and Mariah comes in 
and she's like, hey, I'm just going to sit down and watch this too, because she, like, shock him dead. And it picked up at the, like, most boring, awkward part. And she just looked at me <laughs> as, as Greg spilling his soul. And she went, wow, this is some really, really good acting. <laughs> it's trouble in paradise or trouble in hell, whichever way you want to look at it. Michelle flies into a jealous rage when she becomes aware of uh, Martin's love for Tracy Lords, and she's like, right, I'm gonna go and bump her off immediately. Yeah. I'm not having this. Martin says, well, there's just something about this girl that excites me. She says, that's what I'm for. Martin says, not anymore. And she's gone, off to fight Tracy at her house. <laughs> <laughs> she pulls a blade on her and they tussle on the floor, but it's okay. Martin turns up and he saves Tracy. He stabs Michelle with the voodoo blade and she burns to her original form it's a real form which is a crispy dead person <laughs> that's a good scene and there's like this um yeah. red glow effect around her as she's changing back to a you know a charred version of herself it's it's so fun yeah. so campy and so good and i love this bit here when martin has the plan he phones his his remaining wives with with the plan and he says meet me at the amphitheater Bring the dagger, it's under the towel next to the hot tub. Oh, and there's a snake in the pool. Will you put that in a basket and bring that as well? <laughs> and I like when the when the two remaining hellwives go to grab the stuff and the one who received the information about the snake being in the tub tells the other, oh, and there's something else you got to go grab there too and makes her do it. I like that they're just this like ongoing joke about the snake who really doesn't serve much of a purpose <laughs> at all. No, no, because it never gets used. Oh no, well, he puts it, he pops it in a paddling pool at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Greg goes to see the voodoo lady for some intel on Martin, and uh, she's like, yeah, I can tell you, but you need to give me your soul. And, she, and he's like, I'm not doing that, just tell me how to defeat him. <laughs> and he says, well, he can't eat, if he eats, he'll die but you'll never be able to force him to eat unless you give me your soul and he's like you're not having my soul you can't have it i'm not following your voodoo ways but she says oh just give it a go we'll see how it goes and she mixes up something that looks a lot like minestrone soup but well, i know it's a voodoo brew <laughs> And Greg's not having any of it, so he's just, he runs, he runs out the door and the voodoo lady turns around and says, He is going to kill you! <laughs> <laughs> Straight from there, he hot-tails it to the army surplus store, the survival store, uh, where they've got a sign on the wall that says, No commies! <laughs> <laughs> and he picks up something that, that's going to aid him in this quest. He finds something called the food tube. Concentrated food, like, like spaceman food. He goes over to the guy at the counter and he says, I don't suppose you have, a, have anything that I could uh, prize a guy's mouth open with to feed him this tube of paste? <laughs> and he goes, no, no, I haven't. It's, it's not that bad. It's, it's quite nice. <laughs> yeah, the, the humor in this film, I think throughout, just really does stick. And that's one of those spots where he completely disregards that this creep guy is is asking on how to like force feed a, another human and his response is to just say it's not that bad it actually tastes pretty good <laughs> from the army surplus place head straight over to martin's place while he's rooting around looking for stuff nobody's there because they've gone to get the ceremony all sorted he's rooting around all the stuff and he finds an altar to the dark lord <laughs> i'm not talking about danzig guys i'm talking about the real one satan 
He's, <laughs> he's got a cupboard. He's got a Satan cupboard. <laughs> Monique comes inside because she's forgotten something, one of the hell wives, and he forces her to eat the paste, and then she dies. <laughs> and then she dies. The, the last wife comes in and tries to attack him, but he makes a run for it. Later, at the amphitheatre, it's all on. It, they're ready. <laughs> Martin's there with Tracy Lords passed out. You know, doesn't seem suspicious at all. Goes up to the security guard and says, uh, I'm supposed to be here because we've got this tour playing with Creeping Flesh. Uh, they said I could come down early and, and practice my riffs. He's like, yeah, there, come on in. Oh, by the way, what's with the passed out girl? He says, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. This is just a fan. This happens all the time. <laughs> oh, oh, another thing. Um, I've chucked Greg out the band. Don't let Greg in. <laughs> <laughs> Creeping Flesh have turned up at the venue to check out their guitars. One of the guitars is a bright red custom BC Rich. He's like, yeah, there's only one of these in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Martin is about to put his evil plan into action on the stage. He ties Tracy up and he puts her in a paddling pool full of water on, on an office chair. And he starts soloing furiously. <laughs> Creeping Flesh are downstairs looking at their guitars and they're like, wow, put down that custom BC Rich. Let's go and see what's rocking upstairs. That, that's the opening act. They go upstairs and take a seat to watch. <laughs> to watch Martin and he's just like riffing at Tracy Lords who's sat in a paddling pool. <laughs> and it's like... With a snake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with a snake rolling around in it. While he's like puking in front of her and stuff. I mean, it's really funny. <laughs> The paddling pool is involved in the film earlier on. When Johnny was doing shooting up heroin and he comes out and the rest of the band on stage, that's where he gets the drink from. Well, yeah. I do like that Creeping Flesh has, has crept up to see who their opening act is. And they're sitting there in the, in the distance, in the crowd. And they're watching this spectacle as though it's um, like an Alice Cooper act, you know, like yeah. theatrics. And they're like, right on. Whoa, this is awesome. Yeah. As he's like shredding to a tied up woman and puking. <laughs> it's voodoo time. Release the snake. He puts the snake into the paddling pool. <laughs> Greg turns up just in time and he fights him. Uh, creeping flesh is still watching, thinking the whole thing's an Alice Cooper gimmick. Yeah, this is the shit. <laughs> I can't wait to go on tour with these guys. <laughs> the final... Hellwife is there trying to knock Greg's block off with an axe, but a Marshall stack falls over and kills the <laughs> Hellwife. <laughs> so funny. In the uh, the ruckus here, while the Marshall's falling over, killing his wife, Greg grabs Johnny's heroin needle from his handbag that he left behind, and he fills it with paste, and he <laughs> he jabs it in Martin's neck, and he fills him up with food. And his head explodes. <laughs> and Creeping Flesh is so excited about this act, too. They watch this guy's head blow up, and they're like, yeah! <laughs> so Greg, he, uh, he gets Tracy out of the paddling pool. Happily ever after, he says, he basically says, I'm going to give up on my rock dream from now on. If it's all going to be fighting Satan in paddling pools, it's not for, it's not for me. <laughs> this is the end. And they walk away hand in hand. But the story isn't quite over because the ginger guitar guy, the Pearl Jam fella, <laughs> he sat at a bus stop and who should come and sit next to him but the voodoo lady! <laughs> hey, and you know what, too? I read, and I don't know if this is true or just one of those things that's never going to happen, but in production is uh, Shock'em Dead Part 2 called Blood and Bone. 
That's, but you know, on IMDb, a lot of stuff says that never gets made, but could you imagine? And it's the director signed on to do it. I mean, that's who's overseeing it. Could you imagine a part two this many years later, how fun that would be? They should do it as if it is the, um, the, the ginger guy from the rehearsal and it's set in present day. So it's like 2020. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me. And it's 30 years later and he's just still living with the voodoo curse. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to play 80s so, metal and nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, they're, they're not having it. <laughs> they're not having it. <laughs> oh, such a good film. But E.K. Wimmer, is, it, is there any point me asking you if you enjoyed this film? Oh, I so enjoyed this film. I love this. I, you know, I have a special place for all these rock movies, but this one has always been one of the ones that's you don't have to take seriously. And I feel like comedy horror can often be pretty difficult at times. And this one just, I think it balances it so well where it's still a horror movie, but it's so campy and fun that it never drags. It just, it just moves right along. And anytime I watch it, I never get like bogged down and think, all right, let's just get through it. I get excited to watch it. And I was telling you before we even recording, I honestly think it gets better every time I watch it because I know and love the film so much. But yeah, man, I'm a huge fan. How about yourself? Oh yeah, I mean, I've watched it like three or four times in the past year since we found it. I like showing it to people uh, as well, when people were allowed around, but showing them, and it's always the, the bit when he wakes up in hell. It's like, yeah, look at this. This is this is the devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. I would thoroughly recommend that anybody watches this. If you if you can get it on VHS, then do get it on VHS. But it is actually on YouTube. There's a, there's a few uh, copies of it floating around on YouTube, so it is uh, pretty easy to find if you want to watch it. And let's hope that they do do the sequel, Shock 'Em Dead 2. Well, yeah, boy, I hope so. Yeah. And I, th I think that there's a DVD or a Blu-ray of it now, too. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's it's gotten a, a DVD release, too. Excellent. Well, I'll definitely look out for it. Yeah, I think I do need this on a Blu-ray. One of those <laughs> lovely hipster out-of-print film Blu-rays that I seem to be amassing at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, E.K. Wimmer, for joining me again on the Super Tap Film Club. I hope you enjoyed your little stay in the club this time. I loved it. I love that my two times have been discussing Lone Wolf and Shock'em Dead. I think it's just, it's awesome. And somehow those films go together so perfectly. Well, I've got another little treat. For, I want to invite you back, E.K. Wimmer. I want to invite you back. But I don't know if you heard a few weeks ago, me and Fletcher were musing over the, over the idea of doing Ghosts of Mars. And I know that that is one of your favorites so do you fancy coming back to the club in a couple of weeks to do ghosts of mars oh hell yeah i would love to yeah. i definitely am a fan of that one that's a that's a really fun film that gets overlooked a lot an absolute banger that one you've got jason statham but well that's it you've got jason statham you don't really need to think about anything week. <laughs> yeah. but yeah well thank you for joining us this week on super tap film club please don't forget to like subscribe do the things we tell you to do every week go and listen to laser graves go and listen to our friends go and listen to mark's million podcasts so yeah he's got another one that's coming soon have a look at the patreon if you fancy it send us some money because you sent us some money and i bought a microphone with it <laughs> uh, we will see you um, we'll see you next Tuesday when we are talk I don't know what we're talking about next week but we will see you next week on Super Tap Film Club thank you <laughs>
Drums are thumping. 